What's in that? Give me another room. No! It's hard! Zach, what the bloody hell do you think you're doing? You really want to choke her out in a lot of things? Yeah. Now pull it tight. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, now she's oh. in trouble. Family, aren't you? We're not weird. We don't like wrestling. How do you know if you've never been? Hello? My name is Hutch Morgan. I'm calling from WWE. Would you like both of you to come try out for us? No! It's all fake anyway, isn't it? Right, welcome everyone. This is episode 64 of the Comics in Motion podcast. I am Chris Phelps, and as always, my co-host and very good friend is Mr. Dave Horrocks. Hi, Chris, and hello to our listeners out there. Welcome to Comics in Motion. What we like to do here is we like to review movies and TV shows that are based on comic books. Myself, I'll be reviewing from the perspective of a long-time comic book reader. And I'll be reviewing from the TV and movie perspective. And what we also like to do is we also like to spoil the hell out of everything we review. So if you haven't watched our choice of the week, then we'd advise you to proceed with caution. And what we also love is when you can head over to Apple Podcasts or your podcast catcher of choice and drop us a five-star review. This really helps us to grow the show and gets us out to other listeners. Now, Chris, we're just recording a few hours after the latest Endgame trailer. And I know it's a running theme. Almost a running gag, isn't it? We talk about Endgame almost every show for the last for the last couple of months or something. But have you managed to catch that? Dave, I've managed to catch it. I think I missed the initial release, which is about two about one o'clock UK time. And I was about twenty minutes behind because I saw a lot of our fellow comic uh, Twitter accounts retweeting it and stuff. And I've not I think I've watched it now about six times. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I have definitely watched it, and it gets better every time I watch it. I cannot wait, Dave. It's good, isn't it? And again, I think you've done a brilliant job. If I, I don't want to beat up on Dark Phoenix, but you know where they've given us the whole plot there. But again, they've not really told us a great deal, but just dropped in some little snippets. You know, what, meanwhile having a bit of a greatest hits album sort of approach to the trailer as well, because we got loads of clips from the earlier movies. So. Uh, yeah, I must admit, it did, did get little goosebumps there when I was watching it. Oh, it's brilliant. It was a brilliant. And there's a couple of things. If anyone's not watched the trailer, then I will. I am going to spoil it slightly. So please bear with me. As you know, we spoil everything, don't we, Dave? We, we do our reviews usually. So I'm going to do the same in this section. But yes, there's a couple of little nods there. We've got Thor's hammer, and we've also got Tony walking with all the current Avengers in these nice new shiny suits, Dave. Is it definitely? I, I, it's definitely Tony. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a bit where you've got Dingy on his shoulder. So so Rockets, it looks to me Rocket, like yeah. War Machine. Yeah, but when they're walking through the airport, wherever they're walking, and they've got their uh, new suits on. there as well, is it? Tony's there, about the, literally the last still of them walking, and Tony's in the middle walking with them. Definitely, 100% it's Iron Man. We know this is possibly going to be his last movie, isn't it? Yeah. So he... He didn't necessarily need to get back to Earth. I, I'm being a little bit, not facetious, what's the right word? I, I'm kind of, there's an element of doubt, isn't there? Yes. But I guess they have spoiled that a bit. But, um, yeah, those suits look pretty cool. We we saw those, didn't we, in in a still, in a in a picture. Um, but they look they look pretty damn good, I think. The one thing I noticed, Dave, with, with the trailer, I don't know if you've picked up on it, was they look like different different times because Captain 
America and obviously Black Widow, let me say that again, Captain America and Black Widow have got different haircuts. He's not got his beard, which I mentioned last week. They look slightly younger on them. So these, these clues there, which I'm pretty sure once we've watched the actual film will make sense. But at the moment, there's nothing which is great. Exactly what you just said, Dave, I, I totally agree with. For, for once, we're not getting anything ruined, which I think is really good. I mean, we've seen a lot more Hawkeye in this one, haven't we? So we just got a little nod to him in that first trailer, but we get a few more flashes of him. And there was, I, I'm not sure if it's been confirmed, but there's, you know, he, he, he became a character called Ronin in the comics, which is a bit more like a, basically like a ninja kind of thing. You know, Ronin is a, a samurai without a master, isn't it? Yeah. So he took on this Ronin persona. And there was a, a young lady called Kate Bishop who took on the Hawkeye mantle in the last few years. I think she she came out, it was this decade, but it was the early part of it. It was like 2012-ish. Um, and I, there's a little clip there and he's teaching a young girl archery isn't he yes and i just wonder if we're maybe going to see kate bishop in this ah right or unless she's the next phase dave yeah that's that could be couldn't it i mean yeah. um we said it last week didn't you with the captain marvel with rambo's daughter didn't you uh what's she called uh, monica was it monica rambo monica rambo yeah yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe they're setting these characters up subtly as well yeah, yeah. And obviously what happens. But yeah, good spot, Dave. Good spot. The next, the next Avengers, the young ones. Teen yeah. Avengers. Teen <laughs> Avengers, yeah. Could be anything good, really. But fantastic. And I think, again, April of 26th, it just can't come quick enough now. That's, it's just, I'm just wishing it away, Dave. Yeah, oh, I know. Man. But we've got we've got some things in between then and now, haven't we? We've got Hellboy to review, so I'm trying not to wish my life away. But yeah, I, I can't wait to be honest. And and yeah. how great was that little scene with with Thor and Captain Marvel at the end there? It was brilliant. That was brilliant. And we saw the hammer again. Which yeah. Like, oh, here we go. You know, he wasn't the Stormbreaker without a doubt. It's definitely his hammer. No, it's definitely Moon. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. So brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So we'll see, Dave. And just, I mean, while we're on the the Avengers and, and all around that space, so I, I did manage to catch a, a Kevin Smith video just online, and I hadn't realized that in Captain Marvel, in the Stan Lee cameo, it's actually uh, Stan Lee's practicing his lines for a script, and it's the Rats movie. So Stan Lee, that was one of Stan's first real cameos and, and one of his best cameos because he's playing himself and he gets lots of lines and, you know, he contributed to some of the writing for it as well. And, you know, this script that he's writing is the Mole Rat script, which is Kevin's, uh, Kevin Smith's movie. So, oh. you know, he was he came out of it and he was quite emotional because he was good friends. He became good friends with Stan. Yeah, I thought, I thought, oh, can you imagine that? Because he's, he's only a, a kind of... He doesn't do big budget movies. He's not really, you wouldn't say he's an A-list film director. Um, no. So it must be fantastic for him. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, really. I didn't see that. I didn't spot that at all with the cameo. But yeah, really good. I did see the Kevin Smith stuff online, but I, I wasn't aware of what it was. I never really read what it was. I just saw a few headlines. So yeah, that's it's nice that though as well, especially if that's happened with us losing Stan as well. It's like yeah, year. and I think to be honest, we're gonna have to 
review more rats at some point it is one of my favorites to go back to to be quite honest and loads of geeky comic references in there and so uh we'll, we'll do that at, at some point yeah definitely definitely now to pan over to a bit of dc dave bit of dc news it's the 80th anniversary this year of batman so in the cinemas in the next couple of months they're actually re-releasing the christopher nolan trilogy on imax so I'm not sure. I mean, I think it was on IMAX. I think I watched it on IMAX when it first came out, and it was sensational. But, yeah, so they're re-releasing that, which is pretty good news as well. So if you haven't seen it, you've got to go and see it on IMAX. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to think. I, I think I watched Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises on the cinema, not on IMAX. Um, I think I caught Batman Begins on, on DVD, I think. So, yeah, I, I guess, are you going to go and see it on IMAX? Yeah, I probably will. I'm, I'm thinking maybe The Dark Knight Rises, because that, you know, as you well, know, it's my favourite. When were we, because we were going to review that in the next in the next couple of months. So That's when is it coming out? out? It's, I think it's April. And maybe I should have researched that day before we... <laughs> <laughs> Not to throw you under the bus there, but... So, soon. but, okay, so, so maybe... Um, Maybe we should look into that, and then it it would make sense, I think, if it was. We'll tie up our review of Dark Knight Rises, and and we'll go and watch that in IMAX. Yeah, that's how yeah. that's how movies are meant to be watched, isn't it, on the big screen? Exactly, and a little bit of the thirtieth of March, Dave comes out. All right, okay. So it's not that far away, actually. So uh, I, like I say, I maybe should have researched that before. <laughs> anyway. Um, but one little story, actually, about The Dark Knight, not The Dark Knight Rises, but The Dark Knight. So we go to the cinema. I think it come out, I think it was around May or June time, something like that. I might have even been later. And it was really warm in Manchester, which is totally unheard of, as you know, Dave, having lived here or lived in Manchester <laughs> for a long yeah. time, didn't you, before you moved. And we went to the cinema. There was me, my wife, my daughter, and Jordan was about, she must have been about eight or nine then. So we go and watch it. And it's absolutely sweltering. The cinema had shorts on. The air conditioning broke. Now, obviously, The Dark Knight is not a short film. So I think it's it's nearly two hours 30, two hours 40. And we were in the cinema, Dave. And you know when you've got shorts on and they're stuck to the chair? It was oh, that. We were, ringing, we were ringing wet, all of us. Like, me and Sam are bad for anyway for sweating at the best of times. But we were gone. And I mean, terrible. <laughs> I enjoyed the film. And I remember Jordan leaning over going, you know, she's 18. I was leaning over going, Dad, how long is this on for? I'm so hot. You know, and, she, and I think at one point, Sam had to sort of take her out of the cinema for a couple of minutes, you know, to come back. And everyone was the same, fanning each other, everything. Honestly, it was horrendous. We get outside and I go straight to some uh, poor guy there, went, as only I would do, Dave, and went, excuse me. He said, he really enjoyed the film. He's roasting there. What's going on? And this guy went, Oh, I'm really sorry. The air conditioning's broke. Um, do you want a refund? I went, yeah, I do. Happy and days. Then, you know, Dave, <laughs> but then this woman with a kid it overhears it. The guy's got a queue of about 30 people oh. queuing up. They're running back by the time we'd finished. <laughs> you can see him looking at me. used to say, you bar steward. Thank yeah. You. yeah. So, Just so, threw him under the bus there. As, yeah, as much as I love the film, I got to watch it for free in the end, which was pretty nice. But yeah. I'm surprised. I'm, I'm not sure I'd have stuck that out, though. I mean, being really overly, you know, when it's cooking like that, I, I can't imagine enjoying a movie. No, well, to be fair, I mean, I give it an Atlantis when we reviewed it, didn't we? Which you've never forgiven me for. But to be fair, I did need to go and watch it again 
for that reason because you, you, your mind was elsewhere. I loved it, yeah. absolutely loved it, but my mind was elsewhere because it was just, it was like a water of attrition. It's like going in a gym in a sauna thinking, how long can I last in here? That's honestly, yeah, that's not bad yeah. And there's not many days of the year in England where you can say you were steaming hot, but that was one of them, and then we were stuck in the cinema. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, very good. So did you catch anything else in the news? Yeah, there's a couple of things. Uh, one of them, there is comics based on this, but it's a Aladdin trailer. Now, the second one was released this week. Now, the first one got absolutely panned because of this weird steroid-looking Aladdin Will Smith that came out of the, of the lamp. It looked awful. I don't know whether you caught that, Dave. Yeah, yeah. It was really bad. But this new trailer looks really good. It's got, like, proper Will Smith in it. He's got a bit of... Is sort of music in there, a bit of this sort of R&B, a bit of rap music, but it's also got the Robin Williams fun factor to the character, which is what was totally missing in that first one. It looked, it looked awful, but this looks really interesting. It actually looks like something that could be quite fun to watch. Have you seen all the trailer at all, Dave? Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think, I mean, I honestly, I kind of like the cartoon as well. <laughs> but yeah, I thought the trailer looked looked pretty good. Yeah, he did. He looked pretty good. So that's that's going to be something we'll probably might be able to review this year, Dave, as well. And then also this one's more your domain, Dave, so you can you can tell me where it is. But there's a Marvel version of comics called What If, which is where the writers were allowed to go off script and sort of tell parallel universes and stuff like that. It might become relevant in Endgame because they, they actually have been some of the rumours. But they're actually bringing out a full animated series on this on the new streaming service Disney which is pretty good so I don't know do you know about that background Dave the what 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 if series? yeah so what what if is like a whole series of comics and what they usually do is they'll take one event in the comics and then they'll just explore a story of well what it went this way in the comics what if it went a different way so a couple that come to mind you know that, that i remember from what well, well that stick out in my mind at least are you know what if spider-man actually joined the fantastic four and what if wolverine actually killed the hulk so when wolverine turned up in hulk 181 well what if he actually killed off the hulk and usually what happens is you know it, it goes off on this story and it ends up in a fairly unpleasant way because it kind of all bets are off, you know, in a normal mainstream comic, you, you, you have to kind of keep the characters alive or if you kill them off, you know, you, you kind of know that they're going to come back eventually. Whereas in these what if stories, you know, quite often there's, there's like a bit of a sinister end to them, but yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be interested. Look, I'm going to watch it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do like, you know, occasionally to dip into the what if, but they are kind of throwaway stories as well. But the nice thing about them is they are, they do tend to be one shots, you know, so you're not, you don't have to read 30 comics to find out, you know, what happens in a story. And uh, it's just a one-off comic usually. Yeah, no, that's quite good. That's interesting. It's a different dynamic as well, isn't it? Because a lot of fans uh, like that difference and sort of built within the story of, of, of different characters, like the Hulk or Wolverine, like you say. So, no, that'd be an interesting one. A bit like what they did, I think, in some respects, Dave, with Logan in the film, because that was like, as they all say, it was a slightly different universe, wasn't it? To kill him actually off was... He's pretty unheard of, isn't it, for characters? We know Hugh Jackman, yeah. of course, but no, I'd be interested to watch it. I will. I've enjoyed some of the animated stuff we reviewed as well. It's really got me 
back into it. As you know, I actually bought Hulk v Wolverine. I can see it from here now as we're doing this. Oh, show. did you get? Did you buy it? I don't think yeah, you yeah. with that. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Well, don't worry, Dave. It was something like one ninety nine off eBay, but I bought yeah. <laughs> Hulk v Wolverine, Hulk v Four. It's a double pack, so yeah. No, I've got it. I've, I've watched it since. To be fair, yeah, so, I do. I do like. I, I do often go back to the Hulk v Wolverine, Hulk versus Wolverine one. To be honest, I, I think that's my favourite. Yeah, it is. It's really good. Now, Dave, this I wanted to bring up. It's not really comic book based. That's always no. It's not comic book based, but. Everybody who listens to the podcast knows how much we love Ricky Gervais in The Office. Now, I must admit, I'm only halfway through the series at the moment. I think you've probably got ahead of me, but how good is Afterlife on Netflix? I've absolutely loved it so far. Yeah, it is one of the better things I, I think I've seen. You know, again, not in our comic book world. You know, we both love The Office, love Ricky Gervais, all the stuff that he does. And uh, yeah, I think it's it's more. Actually, it's more emotional than I thought it was going to be. It's yeah. really quite hard a hard-hitting subject, isn't it? Yes. So, I mean, if, if people haven't, not particularly spoiling what it's about, because this is all in the just the regular adverts, but essentially, you know, he's he's lost his wife to cancer and he's he's suicidal. So, and he, he ended up, he was, he was going to top himself and then, ended up not doing because he he kind of looked at his dog he, he still they'd had a dog together and and you know so no one would was going to be there to look after the dog so that was what brought him back from the brink but he decided for himself that he was going to live life on his terms so he just he just says whatever he wants to anyone you know <laughs> and so no social niceties to him at all and it, it just oh. creates some very very funny scenes but also like I say it, it quite often it'll go from one minute from being very funny to the next really being quite emotional yeah and, and uh, I'll be honest with you Dave you probably you've just hit the nail there but there's a lot of lump in the throat moments isn't there like you sat there thinking god he's so so clever so good writing and, and the way he portrays that character is fantastic but I've got to say and not like I say not spoiling it the guy who's his brother-in-law is just a cross between David Brent and Stephen Merchant in extras <laughs> yeah. he's absolutely Un, he's not supposed to be funny, but he just is a bumbling idiot funny, isn't he? And I, and I, I've, again, I've talked to it so much. And also, his partner in extras, the, the the Scottish girl in extras, she's actually in this as well, which is nice to see as well. She's a she's a care, isn't she? Yeah, so, yeah. That's really good. But yeah, I won't say any more, but please, if if you've got Netflix, please get on there and, and, and watch it and just uh, be open-minded on it because it's such an emotional journey. It really is. Yeah, don't don't watch it with the kids, though. No, no, not at all. Well, <laughs> Some of the language is, uh, yeah, it's not well, like this show. No, and also, <laughs> I've got to say before we move on, he's... Like you, you, you were right. Ryan Reynolds, when it comes to marketing of stuff, he's absolutely fantastic. We said it in our Deadpool review. He took on the marketing on his own. You know, whether it be turning up in the suit, you know, literally at a birthday party to in the middle of an American football game, or whatever he is, he's, he's marketing. Viral marketing was so clever for Deadpool because of the budget and that. Now, Ricky Gervais only released really one clip for this series. And it went completely viral, Dave. You know which one I'm talking about. And and he goes yeah. past the school, and I'm not going to say it properly, but the, the school kids giving him abuse about him being maybe well. In fact, I won't say what he's the kids yeah. saying, but but the basically kids, the kids giving him some abuse. Give him abuse, shall we say? Just watch it. 
and he replies with an absolute non-PC response. And it's so funny. And everyone was retweeting it. It was all over Facebook. I've never seen a negative comment. And the one thing I've picked up on this one, Dave, is I've, had, I've seen a lot of comments on Ricky Gervais's personal Twitter account and, his, and the Facebook Netflix account saying, I don't like Ricky Gervais at all, but this was absolutely sensational. I absolutely loved it. So I think that's what you've got to take. If Plenty of people have said it to me. I don't like Ricky Gervais. I don't get the office. And I understand that. That's fine. It's, it's your opinion. But a lot of people have now watched it and gone, you know what? It was absolutely brilliant. So go in with it open-minded. It's not the extras. It's not the office. It's something completely different. And he actually, he's acting in it. He's first class. Yeah, I, I don't think I've seen him act that emotionally before. No, no. He's really good, Dave, and really good. And he shows his range. He's got it, hasn't he? You know, he's renowned for just taking the mitt, but he, 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 it's really good. Really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so, it is good. It is good. Oh, good stuff. Now, Dave, we're going to go into the comics background, but we haven't really got a lot of comics this weekend background, have we? But would you like to announce what we're watching and reviewing? <laughs> Yep, so we thought this week we'd we'd review something a bit different, so we were going to review Fighting With My Family. Not much of a comics background to this one, you would think, wouldn't you? Yep. Well, you'd be wrong. <laughs> so, it, And if you're thinking, these guys have just made up some tenuous comics link to review a movie that they wanted to watch anyway, you'd probably be right. <laughs> <laughs> So, for those of you that don't know, this this movie is is all about the uh, female wrestling character Paige. I, I will call her a character because it's not a real name, is it? But there is actually, I mean, I mean, there's tons of wrestling comics out there, but Boom Studios actually came out with a, a wrestling title called just called WWE back in 2017, and in issue 14, they focused on basically the women's revolution and it focuses on a lot of the you know the pioneer kind of female wrestlers that were coming through it doesn't it doesn't focus so much on page but i think page is in there it's actually written by a guy called dennis hopeless which <laughs> despite his name is actually quite good <laughs> oh i but, but yeah it's it's a bit unfortunate isn't it yeah so dennis is, has written for uh, Marvel Comics, for Image. I mean, he he wrote, like, I think it was Avengers Arena. I think it was called. It was it was like a whole Hunger Games thing with, with different sort of teenage young characters. And, and it was it was a really good series, actually. So that was that was when he first came to my attention. But yeah, I mean, he, he's he's really up there, like I say, in, in the comics world right now. So to get someone like him writing a wrestling comic and like I say, focusing on female wrestling in that issue 14 and, and the subsequent issues, some of the subsequent issues as well, I, I think it's a pretty good thing. But Chris, hopefully you've got a bit more than that on the movie background. Well, yes, just before I get into that, Dave, when it comes to WWE and wrestling, you know, uh, even at 40 years old, how much growing up that meant to me. I've watched it since I was nine, ten years old. It's got worse as I got, got older, and obviously I do do a show talking about the wrestling once a week uh, called Indie Combat, a podcast as well, just get a little tip in there, which you have actually been on, David, as well, haven't you? When we, we've, I have. 
Yeah. WrestleMania 6, Hulk Hogan v Ultimate Warrior from 1990. Warrior, yeah. yeah. And we decided that it looked was better when we were younger. But anyway, let's not talk <laughs> about that. So, so when it comes to wrestling, there's going to be a lot of things probably in this review today that I will probably throw in there, which I know because I still keep up to date. I don't really watch a lot of the products. I'll skim through it. But I do know the background stuff is something that drives me crazy. I'm absolutely like a wrestling historian. So... There might be stuff I'm wrong on, so correct me, guys, if not. But most of the time, I'm pretty much on the money with this sort of thing, especially with the wrestling, because I love the whole, you know, fake and reality storylines and stuff that actually really goes on. And there's quite a few things that cross over in this. So let's get into it. So this film came out this year, 2019. It's actually based on a documentary, and it's called The Wrestlers Fighting With My Family. So anybody from the UK who has got, Channel 4 On Demand, it's still on there. And this is where the whole idea for this film come from. The film actually takes, beat for beat, this 45-minute documentary and use, puts it into a film. The Rock saw it, so it's produced by Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and it's actually written and directed by Stephen Merchant, and he's a star in the film as well as uh, The Rock. It's uh, Florence Pugh is Paige, Jack Loudon is a brother, Nick Frost is the dad, and uh, Lena Heddy is actually Cersei Lannister as well from Game of Thrones. They did a good job on her making a look like Paige's real mum. Now, this film, which is really, really interesting, because it was based on this documentary. It, when The Rock saw it, absolutely blew him away. He was like, I've got to make a film about this. Now, who it's based on is a wrestler called Paige. Like I say, we're going to call her Paige because that's her actual WWE name. Uh, it's, her real name is uh, Sarah. Uh, Soraya, Soraya Bevis is a real name. So we'll just call her Paige, Dave, because even I can't pronounce it even now. So, and which is based on a mum's character in the ring. That's actually what a, a, rest, a real name is. So WWE Studios were brought together a couple of years ago. They wanted to produce some actual proper documentaries, proper films. They've been renowned over the last five or six years, or well, longer than that, probably 10 years, bringing out a film series called The Marine. The original ones with John Cena, which wasn't that bad, but we're on sort of like Marine 8 now, you know, back in the game or whatever the heck it's called, you know, some nonsense name. But originally the first one w was quite well received and they wanted to do hard-hitting documentaries. So the team that we film for to produce this, it's a biopic, which is based off Channel 4's obviously documentary, which is really good. Now, there is a few things that looking into this, and I knew when I watched it, and not actually historically true. Now, Paige, because it's a Hollywood biography, she never actually met The Rock. So a lot of the stuff in the film, which doesn't matter, is not true. So a lot of the timeline stuff's just skewed, and obviously Hollywoodized to get The Rock in the film. Um, when she signed for the WWE in 2011, The Rock had only just come back at the same time, but she was in the development territory, this NXT, so they never would have even met. So it's all stuff that, adds in and I think it makes it works well within the film now uh, box office wise it's always was always aimed at a streaming service they wanted to release it uh, across the world on a minimum sort of cinema release it was never going to be you know it's not going to be an Avengers or it's going to be a Shazam or Aquaman by any means but it was something that they wanted to gain a lot of interest and snowball off so and then eventually it's going to be coming on Amazon Prime and Netflix and I think it's suited to something like that to be fair um, now, so far, it's made, in its first few weeks, it made 8 to 10 million. That's off 2,500 theatres. 
And then on top of that, he's took another two and a half million from the first week and then another eight million as well. So I think at the moment we're on about 45 million it's made. Now the budget I'm not aware of, but they'll make more money when they release it out to the streaming services. And obviously it's going to end up on film four as well. And that's where like the advertising and marketing comes in. So it's been a complete success so far financially. It's a good biopic film. What will also end up on, Dave, is the WWE Network. And this is one of the reasons that they've done these sort of films because the WWE Network's very much like Netflix. I've been a subscriber for on and off for a couple of years now. And what you can do is you can watch like the old matches, you know. So if you really wanted to watch WrestleMania mm-hmm. 6 again, Dave, and that's a whole event, you can get on there. So they have a lot of documentaries, backstage stuff, some real stuff, not the fabricated stuff that we got when we were younger. Like if you bought a WWE magazine, it'd be like, how's Hulk Hogan going to, you know, defeat The Undertaker? They, you know, who is this man? You know, they proper carried the storylines over into all the, all the magazines because he used to buy all them. Then I would buy the behind-the-scenes magazines. That was the real stuff that was going on. So this is where you learn about, like, all this stuff. So it has been a complete success. So it's going to be on a lot of streaming services by the end of this year, this film. So, if you you know, if you don't get to see it in the cinema, then I would advise you to go and watch it on one of them services I've mentioned. Now, critically, which I think is absolutely going to love this, Dave, critically, this is actually the highest-rated film on Rotten Tomatoes we've reviewed. Now, really? Oh, Yes, honestly, no matter what we've reviewed and our personal opinions, and we know like Avengers Infinity War and stuff like that, at the moment, of 156 reviews, it's at 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. And uh, it's got an average user review of 7.29 out of 10. On Metacritic, it's at 68 out of 100. That's based on 38 reviews. And then my favourite, the old audience poll by cinema score, it's at an A minus, which is an A plus to F scale, which I mention every week. And then on Post Track, which is another review site, it's at 83% with a 57% definite recommended uh, rewatch with people. So it's a very, very good score. And I found that fact. Obviously, it's different reviewers reviewing this, Dave. They may be all wrestling fans, as you know, the comic book fans review the Marvel stuff and DC, but I just found that really interesting for what it is. It's a biopic Hollywood feel-good film, really. Um, but yeah, but Paige, everything about this film is good, and I would advise, because it was the first thing we did after we watched it, me and Sam, is we came straight home and watched the documentary on it. And if you watch the documentary, Dave, you'll be blown away by how how many beats are taken from the documentary in the actual film. It's uncanny, honestly. And I, I genuinely would say that to anybody who's listening to watch that. If you can't get it and you're over in the US or other parts of the country, I have seen that it's available on Vimeo. And I think there's a few parts on YouTube where it's broken down. So it's not all one 45-minute uh, tr- uh, documentary, but it's in three or four parts of like 15-minute slots. So get on there, guys. I definitely recommend you watch it because it'll add a bit of meat to the bones to what we're going to review today. Yeah, so I mean, I was just looking. It, it looks like the budget was $11 million. Yeah. According to Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so how accurate that is, I don't know. But uh, what did you say it's it's made at the minute? About 45. 45. It's not, bad, not a bad return at all for a low-budget no. movie. Yeah, and also, like I said, the streaming services, Dave, it's going to go crackers on them. It's going to absolutely... It'll just take over all of them because it will be one of them films. You'll see it on normal domestic TV in a couple of years as well, so... I think that's where, with this sort of thing, they play it differently, don't they, with the marketing and stuff. And obviously having The Rock in it adds a level anyway, doesn't it? Because he's actually the highest-paid actor in Hollywood. So 
just having him in there. And it's he's he's actually his seven put seven bucks production company. And seven bucks is all he had in his pocket when he moves to the WWE and he wants to change his life. So he always remembers that because he's always a very grounded, humble guy, The Rock. So he always wanted to do something with the seven books he had in his pocket, and that's what this is. So all these documentaries and films he brings out are all based on seven books productions. Ah, very good. Very good. Bit of insightful information there. Yep, probably useless information, but insightful. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it's like anything like that, isn't it? You you sort of don't know where does that come from, seven books. like. Yeah. Yeah, clever, clever, because he's actually his ex-wife as well. He runs a company with him, which you wouldn't think that they'd get on, but he has to get on really well. So he's Danny Garcia is his wife. And it is a woman, Dave, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I was just thinking Danny DeVito. <laughs> that, that I'm be, sure that wouldn't that would be, that'd, twins, that'd all be twins too, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> now, that is a good film. That's a stupid film, that. But yeah, really good. So, yeah, so uh, are we ready to go for the review, Dave? Yeah, let's go for it. We start the film off, we get an introduction to sort of Paige and her family. It flashes up, it's like, you know, it's the year 2000. And what we get is we get Paige's brother, who's called Zach, Zach Beavis. He's watching the WWF then, or the WWE. And he's actually the King of the Ring, which is usually an event that's on around June time. And then his sister comes in, Soraya, who's Paige. She comes in and actually takes the remote off him and she puts on Charmed. Now, you keep seeing Charmed at the start, but Charmed is actually the f- where she gets a name from because her favourite character in Charmed is called Paige. And they start fighting. And the mum and dad come in, who's Nick Frost and uh, Cersei Lannister, Dave, should we say. She comes in, the mum. And they decide, I think we need to put a wrestling match on. So what we end up with then is it pans forward till they're 18 and she's fighting against a brother where they've got different ring names. So she's called Brittany Knight and her brother's now called Zach Zodiac. And this was something that for Paige in real life was, was something that was helped with her training because she fought with men in the ring wrestling. We know it's predetermined and all that, but that's where all that comes from. And then this uh, mum and dad have got their own wrestling promotion, so they promote around the Norwich area. Uh, Rick and Julia are a mum. And great performances. And, and when you see a parents in real life, they're pretty much not far off how they look. But they're actually struggling financially. So what happens is after one of the events, you get Rick and Julia in their sort of... It looks like they're in Blackpool, to be honest, in their sort of camper van, clapped-out transit. And they ring up the WWE now... The guy they ring is a guy called Hutch Morgan. He's played by Vince Vaughn. Now, a bit of me on this one, Dave, is Hutch Morgan is a fictional character completely. He's not anybody in the WWE, but I think he's based on, and this is just me spitballing, a guy called Bill DeMott, who was actually called, this is true, Dave, his wrestling name was Hugh Rection. That was his name, Hugh Rex. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> Years ago. But Bill DeMott. Is his second name George or something? I don't know. It's a terrible <laughs> name, but Bill G. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's horrendous, horrendous. <laughs> but, but this Hutch Morgan's based on Bill DeMott. Now, I think they would have probably used a Bill DeMott character, but he got actually fired from the WWE a couple of years ago for bullying and the way he treated the characters now 
you, you get this with his character a bit later on. And I think that's where they've used artistic license. So they've generalized maybe a couple of trainers, but I think it's based on this builder mock because there's loads of controversy about him. You know, we're really bad, Dave. You know, we all we all know wrestling is a predetermined sort of stage performance and fake and stuff, but but it was quite serious what he did. So I think that's who his character is. So they contact his office and basically it's like, you know, no, no answer, no answer. And then eventually they agreed to do a tryout. Now, they, this is quite a common thing in this. So Paige and Zach go and they go to this tryout before SmackDown at the O2 Arena and come to the end of it, they're at the arena. Now, again, this, Dave, is an absolute made-up section. They bump into The Rock. Now, The Rock completely starts talking to him. And I knew he was setting them up. He's a wrestling fan. I knew he was going to do this. It doesn't matter, you know, because so he'll say to someone like, uh, like he says, he goes, what's your name? And he goes, say, what's your name? And he goes into a full Rock promo. And The Rock's one of the best ever wrestling promoters, Dave. That's why he mm-hmm. ended up films and that. He's so good. And he's, like, saying to her, like, uh, you know, you're so white, you look like a witch, you look like you come out of Harry Potter and all this, and he just ends up totally throwing him. And then at the end of it, they're, like, blown away. And I love the fact that Zach's got this weird suit on, and he's got the suit with, like, the drainpipe pants where he's got white socks on because they're too short. But the, the Rock's giving him a bit of inspiration. So they do this tryout, and obviously Zach's a good wrestler, but he doesn't get taken on. And the only person that does get taken on is Paige by Vince Vaughn's character, Hutch, and basically, we then get, for the first part of the film, we get this tug of war and jealousy with Zach. Because he was the one who's been wrestling since he was 10 years old. She didn't get into it until she was a teenager. And he he's just so jealous of what's going on. And it's like a bit of a, a tit-for-tat thing, isn't it, with the start of it? I mean, I know I've summarised quite a lot there, Dave. But what did you think of like the start of the film and, and the, the introduction? You're, obviously, you're an old wrestling fan from years ago, but not knowing any of the background of these characters. Just, just old in general. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, I think when the I, – I still think of it as the WWF. So yeah. when it when it was that in the kind of mid-'80s and you had, like, say, the Hulk Hogan, the Ultimate Warrior, I think the, the Undertaker was starting to come into it. You know, I, I think I sort of dropped out of it a bit then. And, and because it – I don't want to use the word fake, but because it's predetermined, that that's that is a better word. But so is gymnastics and what have you. You know, this is what I guess I I thought to myself years later. But it's still damn impressive what they oh, yeah. do there. So so that's you know I do, I do have a lot of respect for what they do. Um, but I think so. Thoughts from the initial. Uh, this this kind of first act, I think I, I wasn't really sure going into it what to expect. I think I was expecting to see a lot more of The Rock. I didn't know it was going to be focused on Paige. Um, so so that was a surprise, but it, it was kind of nice. I found it all quite quite charming. I, I thought the, the way they set up the family, obviously, you know, they haven't got much money. They're going around in this beat-up old van. I like the way that they seem to be taking on these uh, these young kids and, you know, like giving them wrestling lessons and stuff. I can't imagine that brings in much money, but it seemed to be, you know, something they were doing for the community. 
Um, and yeah, it, it was pretty impressive when the rock basically, when Dwayne Johnson turns into the rock, you know, yeah. and he goes from his normal conversational style and then he turns on that wrestling, you know, and, and gives him a good sledge in and, you know, calls him Harry Potter rejects and stuff. <laughs> it's really, really good. And I, I kind of liked, I liked her brother as well, that Zach. Uh, yeah. I liked his character because, Again, you know, he didn't have a huge wrestling frame, um, but I liked it. He had a, he had a bit of cockiness about him, and when they were doing the tryouts, I liked his line. He, he turned around to uh, he, he swore or something, and uh, then he said, "Oh, I shouldn't swear in the presence of ladies," and then turns around to one of the other wrestlers with the you know the longer hair, the more kind of eighties <laughs> style, and says, yeah. "Sorry." You know? <laughs> I tell you what was funny, Dave, at the start was Stephen Merchant because Zach has got his girlfriend pregnant, and he and the, you know, and Stephen Merchant is his girlfriend's dad and the mum, and they're so straight laced, aren't they? And they're like saying, "Don't say this, don't say that." And when they get the call for the tryout, they're saying about it being fake, aren't they? And Nick Frost yeah, character, yeah. the dad, and I know this was in the trailers. Rick, he, he looks suddenly across the table, and goes, he goes, "Well, it's all it's all fake," and he goes, "I beg your pardon." And everything they try, they try and be normal, don't they? Obviously, living in this squalid, you know, rancid house with there's no uh, home, they're not house proud or anything, because obviously they can't afford to be, because they're living, you know, day by day in this business. But everything they say just goes down, doesn't it? Absolutely goes down the pan, no matter what they say. If you're like, I've been in jail for eight years, you know, for, for violence. And then the other one's like, oh, he's the other brother, where's he? He's in jail. But some of the lines <laughs> they deliver, and Stephen Merchant goes like full on extras, doesn't he? And sort of like, he, he, he's so good, like Ricky Gervais, is like just playing an awkward <laughs> person without not even saying a lot. You know, he's so clever the way he, he moves his body and that. Because he's massive. And what I like with it, though, Dave, is they tried to make him not look as if he was six foot eight because he was yeah. towering over everyone. But I just, it was just some one-liners between the family that was so good and funny. And the, some of the writing was, was just like, I, we were laughing out loud watching some of the bits. And again, a bit like when we watched Captain Marvel, there was probably not a lot of other people laughing with us, but we, I got a lot of the insider jokes they were saying about the wrestling and that, which is good. Yeah, and I liked... Um, he's brilliant, Stephen Merchant, isn't he? I, I, have you ever seen Hello, Ladies? No, no. It's, I think there was a series, but I saw the saw the movie and, you know, he, he plays this, you know, just... Well, he plays Stephen Merchant, basically, you know, just trying to... <laughs> constantly trying to pick up ladies so you know he'll awkwardly with his massive peter crouch length frame you know wander over to a group of ladies like hello ladies (laughs) (laughs) just and he's just do you remember in the office when uh oh what what is it Uh, david brent is going on about his big googly eyes and stuff yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he just he's just a very funny guy, isn't he, in a very understated way. But I tell you, I don't know, again, one of the things, do you know anything about this? I mean, is there this whole underground wrestling circuit in Norwich? What's the score there? <laughs> yeah, there is, yeah, honestly. Is there? There is, yeah, it's so true. That's what I'm saying about watching the documentary. So, so a lot of the independent wrestling, and this isn't just in the UK, in America as well, there's a lot of these shows, so... This this wrestling they they actually created the mum and dad Rick and Julie they were obviously wrestlers themselves, and I think the dad actually wrestled 
with Big Daddy and that as well, Dave. You know, so we're talking like, you know, late 70s, early 80s, when right, it was still... Right. He was still telling. He was, I think he was a bit of a jobber, which a jobber is basically what they were saying about Zach as the film was on. He's not someone who's going to be a star. He's going to be someone who just gets beat up. So, you know, you say, you're a kid. You might watch Sean McWaddy run to the ring and he'd be some no mark you've never even yeah, heard of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he'd just decimate him in like a minute. See, and the guy would be like out of shape. He'd just be like some guy who's come out of a shop somewhere or something. He's put some wrestling tight like that. So... The dad wasn't that big, and the mum, but the mum was. The mum was a really, really respected wrestler, Dave. Really, and he, the, in the documentary, uh, which I've, obviously I'm going to, you know, I will keep not, nodding back to it. You can see a mum was a really good wrestler, and and he was more like an enforcer, and obviously he, he was a, a fog as well in real life for a long part of his, his like his adult life. But there is an underground scene, so they'll end up at like Butlins, Dave Pontins, where I've seen the wrestling at the Butlins and that, and it's these sort of characters because the UK wrestling is not getting big. Uh, oh, it's getting big now, but it wasn't ever uh, big. They always had to go to America, so you had like the British Bulldog and Dynamite Kid went over there. Stephen, Lord Stephen Regal, he, he's from Blackpool. He had to go over to America. He's still there now. He's on the WWE's top writers and performance coaches page. Whereas now, WWE, this NXT, which is where Paige ends up in America, they've actually got a UK base now. So it's going to build and it's building properly. But most of it, Dave, it's so right. It's literally, that's what it is. And there's actually, I'm just ruining the, 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 the documentary, but there's a scene in the documentary where, you know, the brother who's in prison in this who comes mm-hmm. out, they're called, they actually, Zach and him create a tag team called the Football Hooligans, right? Or the Hooligans. And they just look like the proper EDL, Doc Martens, cut-off jeans, skinhead, the, the oh, full yeah. bomber jacket with the braces on, Dave. You know, the proper braces and the white vest. But they've, got, but they've actually got them all round the ring, screaming at it like it's real, these, these proper, like... They don't look... You know, they're definitely in some white right-wing group, Dave. Definitely. You've got to watch it. But this is where... It's for the audience. They're not really like that. It's for the audience. It's a character. But people buy into it. You know, like Hulk Hogan, say your prayer, you know, eat your vibe and say your prayers and all that mm-hmm. stuff. You know, I mean, who the hell would believe that 30 years later, a guy's dressing up as an undertaker and, like, rising from the dead out of a coffin every time there's a match on and stuff. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's escape from reality, you know. Yeah, like, but, yeah, yeah. But there is, a, there is a world out there because what they do, and they do it, and obviously they actually do it in the film, is they all fight each other. So you've got mum and dad who are a tag team fighting against the, the son and daughter. Yeah, and yeah. So, so there is an underground scene. They are genuinely, and they're still going now. I think the dad's about 65 now, and he's still wrestling and, and <laughs> doing, doing what he is. So, yeah, honestly, there is. It's, it's, it's a strange world, Dave, a really bizarre world. But there is money in it if you can get the right thing. I don't think they're making a lot of money, as you can see, but there is something there for the, with the right audience, which is just bizarre. Even yeah. for me as a wrestling fan, it's bizarre. I think one of the one of the scenes that was was quite funny as well. It, obviously, the the dad he's on the phone, he's doing a bit of haggling, trying to set up a match. One of his clients there, Union Jack, you know, and <laughs> yeah. sort of saying, "Will you, you know, take take some? Was it take a punch to the face and then take yeah. a bowling ball to the, you know, to the crown jewels kind of thing?" <laughs> It's like, yeah, okay, you know, go ahead, do it. Yeah. Um, and it, it, I guess it was a bit of an eye-opener for me that, again, in that underground circuit, you know, they, they do really have to take some punishment. Yes, they do, Dave. I mean, 
especially now, what you've got is, well, in the last 10 years or so, you've got this this thing, well, no, actually, no, probably the last 20 years. The indie scene, Dave, it's either totally ridiculous. Now, I've sent you videos of some of the most nonsense wrestling stuff. Like, there's one in the WWE, a guy, he was an Italian guy called Santi, um, Santino, right, Morello. And basically, he used to put a sock on his hand, like Mick Foley, Mankind. And it's like it was a, a snake. And some guy, one of this is in a WWE ring from a couple of years ago, Dave, some guy at the side, he's about to see his finishing move, which is when he puts a sock down the throat and, like, chokes him out. Some guy's at the side playing a flute and charms the sock snake in his hand. But obviously, it's his hand. It is like a snake. I've got to send it here. It's nonsense, but it charms it. But the way he does it, it's so ridiculous. You're sort of laughing going, that's just stupid. But he's like, his hand then starts choking him, you know, and all this. It's just nonsense. But this one, this one, right, babe, this one in Japan where literally they do a, cr- a crotch thrust, do not touch them, and it knocks the other team over and stuff. <laughs> you know, like these evangelists where you see him don't you doing these stupid things where they'll put the head on the hand on like one guy and about 40 people fall down behind yeah, him yeah 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 it's like that real ridiculous i mean there was one i sent you and obviously we can't say it on the show with the women and it was utterly unbelievable the the, the move that she did but the shock fact so they'll have like barbed wire matches dave fire matches they'll have um, you know, they'll have it all like like you see in the film. He has he has a a, draw, a drawing pin match with somebody's yeah. yeah, yeah. later on, and, and that is genuinely stuff that happens. So they end up like loads of them have been injured, like they're thrown in through tables and everything. And like you say, even though it's, it's, choreo- it's choreographed stunt work, really, it still hurts. They still get injured. So um, yeah, it's bizarre, but there is, and I've gone off on a tangent, but there's a proper underground scene, especially around Norwich as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I say, it, it was good fun with that, that fellas taking it all. But like I say, it, it did make me think, like, they, they must really put themselves through the through the ringer, so to speak. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, at, at the end of this stage, obviously, it, it was, I thought it was pretty obvious that, you know, Page or yeah, let's call a page was going to be the only person who who got passed through right up until this point. I mean, the brother and sister, they've been quite close, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, you you've got plenty of brothers and sisters, haven't they? Are yeah. you that lovey dovey with all your brothers and sisters? No, I mean, I'm a bit better <laughs> as we've got older, but not when we were that age. We all were with these nine of us. We were all fighting one way or the other, I think. So. Uh, and I'm the oldest, so I got the brunt of most of the abuse and stuff, you know, and I was usually the peacekeeper. But no, I agree. It's not like that. And I think I think the one thing that they do here is she obviously gets taken on and he, she feels guilty about him because she knows it's more his dream than hers, but she's actually got the talent for it. Now, I said to this to you after you watched this, obviously off the podcast, that she was always going to get taken on. Because unfortunately, and it's so wrong, it's very much like what they do with the female models and stuff like that. When they say to them, like, you've got to lose weight, you've got to lose weight. The WWE as a male wrestler, you've either got to be the best person on the microphone, Dave, where you can sell, you know, you can sell sand to, to the Egyptians or whatever, you know, or whatever you can do. You, you, you could literally have to promote yourself so good to stand out above the crowd, or you've got to be an absolute freak of nature like Dave Batista. And unfortunately, Zach, even in this film, and having watched the documentary, has neither of them. So 
I knew watching it, even though I didn't know the outcome of it, that I'd never seen a brother on WWE. So if he got sent over or not, but but genuinely there was no way, like you say, it was going to happen. So that creates a lot of jealousy. So there is a, there's a quite an emotional side to a character because she's totally torn page about going in. She, she doesn't want to go uh, to there because she doesn't want to leave. And she actually contacts Hutch, doesn't she, and says to him, after mm-hmm. the show, you've got to take me. And, and he's walking off to his, his Range Rover in the outside the O2. And she's like, you've got to take him and take, I won't come. And he went, well, if you don't come, you've got five seconds. And that's it. I'll, you know, we won't see you again. And eventually she decides to to go, don't she? But there's a good section now where it comes up with a brother and he goes off the rails that. But but it's very much, I don't know about you, Dave, the beats of this film, and I, you know I love Rocky, were very much like a Rocky type film, weren't they? So so she she goes to the WWE NXT Performance Center and she's going through like all this training and she's struggling, she's struggling. So, so what what is NXT? Well, well, NXT is their development, so it's next, basically, NXT, it's next. The logo is an N, an X, and a T, but it means next. So it means the next generation of wrestlers. So what they do is, years ago, say like me and you want to go in the WWE, right? So we go in mm-hmm. there, they're not going to put you straight on Monday Night Raw. They're not going to put you at WrestleMania. What they would do years ago, so when we were younger, say 20 years ago, when we were like 20 odd, they would send us to these development territories. So they'd send us to like the Mid-South, Dave. So you'd end up in like Tennessee or Kentucky and these proper, like what you see Paige's family wrestling in, these proper flea pit wrestling things where they're like the smoking, you know, the, the putting the fag dimps out on your backside as you're wrestling and all, you know, proper smoker type place. And and they would send them off there for months and see if you, you actually set the place on fire and then they would bring you back and put you on TV, or it might be a year or so, but they, right. didn't, have, they didn't have designated performance centres. They didn't. So what they've done is they've gone down the route of having proper performance centres now, so they've got proper training facilities where they do all the training there for them. So you go in as like an apprentice when you leave school. You go in, they try to work the mic, you try to work a crowd. They do little batches in there. You, you get all the best trainers, all ex-WWE wrestlers are trainers. And then... So they brought this NXT out about six or seven years ago. So it uh, ties in with when Paige come into this. And basically, instead of sending them out to these territories, this NXT has its own shows, which are on a lower level than the WWE. But they're actually more popular nowadays because there's not all the razzmatazz. It's just pure wrestling and mm. ability. So they still have the storylines, but it's more technical. It's more like the old school wrestling with like Bret the Hitman Hart type level. Mm-hmm. And so that's where this comes in. So what the WWE does is it contains all its talent within. It's a bit like a, a, an academy of football. So you've got like yeah, under 21s and, that, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. So they keep them there so they can keep an eye on them and they, they show them all the way. Because one of the things you're wrestling, and I'm getting a bit serious now, the wrestling is a lot of the wrestlers from our era are not here because they had steroid addiction, painkiller addictions, because they wrestle for like 300 days of the year. So mm. they don't get any time off. So because of the money they make, they have to keep taking up as down as they can't sleep. They're driving everywhere. They, they literally get to an airport. And they've got to drive to the next show and all this. So it's a lonely life. So that's why WWE now are trying to stop all this. And that's where NXT comes in. So NXT has its own pay-per-view events now and everything. It's really doing really well. And that's why they're bringing the UK one out. So she ends up there. And she's one of the first ones to go through. But because she's got the wrestling ability, as we see at the start of this sort of journey when she gets to America, she's never... Because you see, what I found really good, Dave, is there's a scene where she leaves Norwich and she leaves the family at the airport. Mm-hmm. And if you watch the documentary, it's literally beat for beat. Absolute double. 
beat for beat. Mm-hmm. You won't believe it. Um, but yeah, she goes over there. And as usual, there has to be a, some sort of storyline. So she she totally does not take to all these girls who are like fitness models, bikini models, aren't they? They're all swimwear models. And she's just this normal girl from Norwich, isn't she? And, and there's a lot of like bitching goes on between a lot of them. She's like a bit of a goth, isn't she? A bit of a yeah. rock chick kind of thing and, and just doesn't fit in. And I, I couldn't like, actually work out, were, were the girls being bitchy or was it... Because you never actually heard them bitching, I don't think. Uh, was it just her who felt like she was being bitched about? Yeah, and I think yeah, I, th- I think as it comes up to later on, you're right. I think what all that happened was they were just a couple of times they're looking at her. They might have been in awe of her, to be honest, Dave, because she could actually wrestle. Because what you get in this this world is a lot of them don't know how to wrestle. Now, she's gone from a wrestling background where she wrestled for years, a family and some wrestlers. The girl in this film who, who she has a few beefs with and, and gives her a few elbows, doesn't she? And, and Paige gives her what she called a receipt, which is a wrestling term, which basically means she actually proper hits as she open hands slaps her. Is a girl called Eva Marie, who's actually, Eva Marie is a fitness model who didn't have a clue about wrestling day, but because of her looks, they promoted her, but the fans hated her. So I think even though a lot of these girls in this this uh, film, like Jerry Lynn is the main one who she's up against, who's the girl who gives her the slaps and the elbows, she's actually based on real people. So it's weird because some people are real and others are just like a fabrication of maybe two mm-hmm. or three people. But yeah, she does. She really struggles when she goes over there and, and in with the training. She thinks she's fit, doesn't she? But she's not. That yeah, fit. I mean, she she basically, you know, calls them out for being models. But and, and definitely you get a rocky feel when it's the sprinting along the beach, don't you? You just needed a bit of uh, hearts on fire music <laughs> running there. But, you know, she, she gets whooped, really. Yes, you know, she's, the others are a lot fitter and, and seemingly tougher. She might be a better technical wrestler, but, you know, as far as the story's concerned, they're, they're fitter and stronger at the, at the start. Yeah. Yeah, and, and he shows her doing like a Skype call, done it to a family, and her brother, Zach, he's just having none of it. He's just gone off the rails. He's drinking. He's had his baby. You can see he's not even bothered about his kid. As his kid's born, he's got the baby in his arms, and he's just mm. got a total vacant look. So I think that builds up really well, and I think it, it, they play a story through this where Zach is, is, is her other side of the coin. Like we talk about the Batman and Joker being two sides mm. of the same coin. It, um, it, it's... Basically, that she, she Paige doesn't feel as if she can, and very much like you said, like the Rocky situation, like Rocky Free, really, in some respects. Some of the beats with this is she doesn't feel she's putting everything into it because she's not getting the support she thought she wanted because she feels guilty about Zach. So it's really good. And, and I think what you just said is a very good point because I never thought of it like that. There's a scene later on where she dyes her hair blonde, doesn't she? And like, totally vamps herself up to make herself look like yeah. these models. But then on the, the coach after one of the events, she jumps up, doesn't she? And has to go up that Jerry Lynn and starts kicking yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, what are you talking about? She's like, I'm not even talking to you. And she shows a picture of her daughter, doesn't she? Saying, I've been, I'm missing my daughter. I've not seen her for three months. And she feels guilty then. And I think that's a, that's like, um, it's, did that bit of the film is where she struggled with the training. She can't do it. And he keeps saying to her, really, here's the bell. You know, um, Vince Vaughn's character, Morgan. Gone. Here's the bell. Go. The go horn. On. Yeah, the horn. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can, yeah, the horn. Yeah, you know, get, press that and you can go. And what he ends up doing then is he sends her back to the UK, doesn't he? Because she feels like she's got to come back. She, she's 
had enough. She's found out her mum and dad are promoting and selling her merchandise. They spelled her name wrong, but they're still selling her merchandise in the UK. And then they, they book her for a, a match against the brother at Christmas, don't they? Yeah. And, and, and he absolutely just absolutely hammers it, even though we know it's predetermined that the story is because she's this returning hero for America. She comes and wins, and he doesn't play it like that, does he? He actually hurts her in the ring, and this is where it all unravels with Zach, doesn't it, where he, he goes on a he goes to a pub then and gets into a massive brawl, doesn't he, and stuff, and beats up about three blokes. Yeah, yeah. So, and yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I get the feeling the the guy in real life is probably a bit, bit bigger and a bit harder <laughs> than this yeah. actor. Because I thought when he did that, I thought oh, I don't fancy your chances there. I mean, he did all right, obviously, but. Uh, yeah, I thought, I thought he was taking a bit of a chance there. <laughs> yeah, I think there was a bit of artistic license with that one, Dave. <laughs> it doesn't matter how hard you are, but you, you fight four blokes in a pub, it's pretty rare that you're going to come out unscathed in it. But yeah. he, does, he, does, he does give him a, an ass-whopping, and his dad comes in. Sort of, I think maybe, well, to be fair, his dad comes in, doesn't he, Rick, and saves him before yeah, anything yeah. happens. And this is where it all unravels with her. And what I found interesting, Dave, with this, the settings of a house and that is... It, knowing that she lived in Norwich and knowing, I'd not watched the documentary when I watched the film, but knowing that the size of the house, I love the way for the film, they made a bedroom look absolutely huge, proper American-sized bedroom. And I'm thinking, yeah. there's no way Norwich, they're going to be the size of that room because everyone fits in there. But she ends up coming back and they're saying to her about her hair, aren't they? Like, why, you know, basically saying to her, you're not being yourself. And, yeah. and we have a bit of a come together between her and Zach, don't they? And, and um her and Zach sort of make it up and she decides to come back. Very much, all we needed was the Rocky music day, him and Apollo on the on the beach in Rocky Free when he decides he's he's going to race him again and stuff. It, it was beat for beat, a Rocky story, really, a redemption, I think. Yeah, but, I mean, he he was obviously feeling sorry for himself. He, he went off the rails a bit there. But, I mean, it, it was right what he was saying to her because she was not having a good time of it. She was prepared to give it all up because it was a bit tough. And and let's face it, young girl, you know, it seemed very family-oriented. They did everything together, you know, going out, doing the wrestling and everything. And then suddenly you're out there on your own in a land that you don't understand, really. You don't have many friends. There's no support structure around you. So it's very, very hard. But, you know, he's saying, well, if it's your dream, why are you throwing it all away? Well, a good point. Yeah, yeah. And he's right, isn't he? Because he he, he wants that more than anything. And he, he felt so upset with her as if to say, you, you're ruining everything that I wanted. You've got everything I wanted and you're not, you don't care. Yeah. I think, I think that's what she needed. She needed that sort of acceptance and sort of clarification from him that he was supported. He was just disappointed with himself. And I think that's why the whole thing. But now one of the things in real life for this, Dave, this whole section where she goes back is Zach actually, now they make it out like Zach is this downbeat sort of loser and he's, he's, made, he's level, he's been in Norwich helping these kids, he's never going to make it. But actually, he does actually go and wrestle in WWE later on and he actually does, a, it's only a tryout match against the big show, he's the big giant who's like seven foot and there's about three of them fighting. But he gives a good account of himself. Right. But you, but you can see in this match, and again, I'm going back to the documentary, he's in the documentary, you can see in this match, Dave, he's just so small compared to the big show who's like seven foot 
five, you know, it's about four hundred pound monster. Yeah. You know? I mean, most people are going to be small against him. Don't get me wrong, but I think he's only about six foot. I mean, they're saying in the film he was six four. He was never six four in real life, but in the film they were saying he was that big and all this. But really, really interesting character, and 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 I think what they did with the film, he says one thing in the documentary saying, "I wish I was her." Sometimes I just wish I was Soraya or Paige, and. That's where this whole jealousy angle come in with the film. And I found it so interesting how they actually made that whole thing into a story. I'd love to know what his thoughts are now watching it, if he admitted that was true or whether he was happy with the actual outcome. Because they, they've not interviewed the family at all, I don't think. She's been to all the, the premieres page and stuff and all that, the, the showcase of it. But I've not read anything what the actual family think of it. So Because they paint me quite a poor picture, don't they, for most of the film? Yeah, yeah, that whole middle section, really, you know, they he doesn't come, he comes across a bit of a tool, doesn't he? Yeah, and it's a shame, you know, it's a shame. If it was true, then that's fine, no problem. But it, it seemed for him, he a brother, think of it in real life, he hasn't got anything to gain out of this. It just makes him look really sort of jealous and, and vindictive, doesn't it? I know he redeems himself, but it still must be hard for him to watch it and go, was I really like that? Or is it, you know, or why have you done that? Or whatever, it's strange. He must have had the okay from the family, but uh, really, really strange thing. Because he doesn't gain anything out of that at all. Yeah. I mean, there's there's that there's that realisation from him as well, from the brother who comes out of jail, isn't there? Yeah. So he, they're out there jogging and the, the older brother, they're going on about making it and whatever. And, and the older brother says, you know, uh, Soraya or Paige, she'll be fine because, you know, I I wouldn't have because I didn't have you, you know. So he was saying to Zach, you know, you're a contributor to her success. I thought it was yeah. a really nice short line, a very nice, concise way of, of saying that. Yeah, yeah, I do. And I think as well, Dave, the, the film as a whole, it's so well put together. It? The setting of it being in Norwich and then in the, in the US and the way they, they flick across I thought, it was, I thought it was a great film i thought it's a real really good feel factor film isn't it with a, and there's a genuine story behind her character as well and the family and the family are actually quite likable as well yeah 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 um but i mean she she ends up she takes this bit of advice and then she goes back and then she trains harder you know and then she, as she's getting better, she's also developing a better relationship with some of her fellow female wrestlers. You know, she's geeing them on as well. Um, so, so that's definitely where it's feeling a bit more rocky, isn't it? You need the rocky music at this point. Yeah, yeah, the proper montages come on at this point. But, but again, I think I think as well, Dave. This is quite real to what actually happened with her. So it's there's going to be a little bit like. She was actually wrestling for a long time at NXT before she got this big WWE break. But I wanted to ask you about that because, it, I mean, it, you couldn't really get a sense of time, could you? So in between her coming back, because it seemed like she'd gone home for Christmas or something or summer break, whatever. Um, and then, you know, she came back, she worked harder and then kind of got a big break. But I, I wondered in real life. I mean, how long? How long was that? It was. A, it was at least a year to eighteen months before she. Because what she ended up being is in, in the way they depict it in the film is she goes to NXT, she cuts her teeth to keep her on, 
They show her at a couple of events. Obviously, there's this whole thing, which is a bit of a subplot, which was for the film, that she freezes on the microphone, doesn't she? So she gets yeah. on the mic in front of a live crowd, and they're all slagging her off, aren't they? Like saying, you know, you're British, this, you, you know, you, you've got bad teeth, you, you, uh, all this sort of thing, and you can hear them heckling her, and she freezes on the mic. Well, that isn't actually true. Paige is one of the best mic workers out of all the women. She, she actually is as good as, like, some of the best men out there, Dave, which was, and it's not being sexist by any means. Someone who watched wrestling for years, a lot of the ladies who are not wrestlers, as was mentioned by Eve Marie and that, it seems too forced and too... It's just like reading from scripts, whereas Paige would go off script. She would ad-lib like The Rock and Stone Cold and Hulk Hogan. So she was right. always renowned for that. So that's actually just something that was in there for the actual... Uh, for the film, it works because obviously she's tongue-tied. She sort of storms off, doesn't she, in, in the rafters. Morgan's watching her, her Vince Vaughn. She sort of thinks she's not going to make it. She's not going to make it. But she ends up being the NXT champion, the women's champion. She's actually their champion for quite a long time. This whole thing, there's no timeline to it. You are correct, but it's really, it's over about 18 months. But in the film, it's literally over the space of a couple of months, really. Like a, it's a bit like a, a fairy tale story in it the way they depict it in the film it's literally yeah. rag, rags to riches within six months or something but it is simply not that i mean she even failed to try out for the wwe the one that she passed she, she actually failed one before that she, she'd gone before the year uh, before, okay. but they don't show that in the film which is not i'm not but i'm not uh slagging the film off by any means because it, it's just the storytelling but me being the sort of wrestling historian i went in the back then looking at what you know, what's reality and what's not. Like, she ends up basically going to WrestleMania 30 and Morgan says to her, Paige, can you come with me? So she's there with the girls, isn't she, and the lads, and they're all, like, watching what's going on with WrestleMania 30. Now, this was filmed at WrestleMania 30. The Rock was actually there because he was there with Hulk Hogan and Stone Cold at the start of WrestleMania 30. They came out and cheered the crowd up. They didn't fight. They just cheered the crowd up and all that. Um, and then he says, someone wants to see. So she ends up in his sort of sweet, doesn't she? And the rock comes in. Mm -hmm. That's when you get the thing where he rings the dad, doesn't he? He goes, it's, he does the, you know, if you smell what the rock is cooking and the dad goes, yeah, okay. <laughs> and then puts the phone down and it's really funny. Nick Frost is really funny because he's like, okay, Mr. Rock, I love you and all this because... Yeah, I, love that. I love I love, love you. I love, I love you. you too. <laughs> yeah, because he, he puts the phone and she rings him back. I'm so sorry. Now, Dave, that was totally fabricated. That, that None of that was even true in real life. And it's not to... Uh, mess up on the film but that was all just purely to get the rock in the film and he says to her you're on Raw tomorrow night fighting against AJ Lee now AJ Lee was the champ for a long time and that was all true but she actually went into it Paige as the NXT champion against the, the WWE champion so right. she was a champion not on the level of AJ Lee but she was a renowned respected she was, she was the trailblazer and that comic that you actually use in the comic background is the reason that we sort of picked it out was because Paige was like the, the, the sort of figurehead for this women's revival where the, for years, we're going proper like political now, for years they were just known as divas. So they were all about the TNA and everyone knows what TNA means. That's all they were, Dave. <laughs> no, they were, Dave. It's wrong. It's totally sexist. You watch the Attitude Era, which is the best era of wrestling. All the women were just treated like strippers and stuff like that. They were just totally, you know, degraded all the way through. They would wrestle, but it'd be like, brown and panties match, mud wrestling match, chocolate wrestling match, you know, and all this that sort of thing. And she came in as an actual bona fide wrestler 
um, with another girl called Natalia, who's Brett the Hitman Hart's niece. And she was a little bit before Paige, but they come in as genuine wrestlers with proper credentials, background. They'd actually trained in wrestling. So it was a big figurehead in now. They changed it from the WWE Divas Championship to the WWE Women's Championship. And it doesn't sound a lot, Dave, but it is a lot. And that's, this is where, by doing this bi- biography on her life, is quite interesting because Paige set the stall out with a couple of others, she wasn't on her own, but because she was British and she, like you said, she was not a typical fitness model. She was, you know, she was like a goth, a rock, rocker sort of thing, but everyone was drawn to her because they believed in her character. So it was good. And then when she goes on Raw and the family are all watching, aren't they? What, I've, what I like, Dave, is Raw is on at like two in the morning. And I was thinking, laughing. Yeah, yeah. Know, I bet their fam- I bet their neighbours loved them when they were watching that when she made that thing. That's like <laughs> two in the morning or something when she would have been fighting. So, uh, but yeah, it's not like I said, I'm not absolutely messing on the film. I'm just giving a bit of background to what the reality is to the film because I know it so well. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I mean, look, you can never get into a a ninety minute film or whatever. You know what the real life is, and and you know real life is is not. You know, you can't condense it into a nice narrative, can you? No. Like saying that time. So, so they they obviously have to use their artistic license there. I tell you what, what did make me laugh when she was kind of she was filling her boots at the buffet. You know, she stood there with a couple of wrestlers, and and they looked like they were about seven foot, and she looked like she was about five foot or something. They yeah. absolutely dwarfed her, and I, <laughs> I that had me questioning. Like for the female wrestlers, I mean it in comparison to the blokes i mean but what kind of height are we talking well to like be for, fair, a, for a typical female wrestler no just normal height they've started to cut across um the guys who she was talking to one of them was the big show who coincidentally actually fought what i was saying before against the brother he's seven foot tall so not the gingerhead one the other guy who had the big beard and the bald head He's like, he originally was billed as the son of andre the giant when he come into it dave he isn't but he always wears the black that sort of leotard, like Andrew, but he's seven foot. Now, the other guy, Seamus, he's unfortunately, Dave, he's one of your boys. He's actually from Dublin, but he's a Liverpool fan. He's always got his Liverpool shirts on. and, and nice. uh, Yeah, he's always at Anfield <laughs> and that. So he's a massive Liverpool fan. But Seamus, he's about six foot seven, six foot six. So, but to be fair, the girl who plays Paige, she was stood next to the real Paige at the premiere. And I think Paige must be five eight, five nine, but that girl must be about five one day, five four, five two. So so you can see they're about I'd say five foot six upwards, most of the female wrestlers. Because they don't do a lot of intergender matches now. I mean, like years ago you would get these weird oddball matches where the women couldn't you know, the men couldn't hit the women, but they'd be in a tag team and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And a lot of the wrestlers then the female wrestlers ended up big the ones that were in it years ago, like they were proper like steroid heads, but no, she she's quite small, the girl who plays Paige in the film. So she is literally two foot smaller than them on there. I think that's just more a continuity thing. But, yeah, that that sort of thing she's doing is quite common where she's steamed in there eating all the buffet and they're like, you know, save us some sort of thing. But it's not like a, a pecking order. She hasn't earned her teeth, but she steams in there. And that's what I think it was depicting. Paige has had a proper attitude on her, which people liked because she didn't stand any messing because of yeah, her family background. Yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah, so I'd say about five, six upwards, Dave. Very good, very good. So, yeah, I think uh, I think that's at the end of it. Now, obviously, at the end of the film, 
when the credits roll, she wins the title, wins it all. You know, there's a big like montage, but they actually just before we get into the credits, actually, can I? So, the, I guess what I was a bit surprised about. I mean, the match seemed to be over pretty quickly, you know, and and she get. I, I, I guess I thought that was going to be, you know, again thinking back to the Rocky template, the 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 boxing matches do last for quite a few minutes, don't they? Whereas this seemed to be over really quickly. And, you know, she finishes off with a, a rousing speech there about being the outsider, you know, and if you feel like the outsider, you know, again, it was it was a well-written speech, I, I thought. I don't know how real of any of that stuff is. But, yeah, it all, all seemed to happen pretty quickly, you know, making a debut in the WWE, getting straight in there with a title shot. It just all seemed to be be over before it started yeah i must admit you are right it did it was quite quick at the end almost rushed like but the, the speech is true at the end that's pretty much like for and what they did was they filmed it after aurora had been on so they made the crowd stay in and said we're filming this match now don't forget when i've watched wrestling stuff and you obviously we know in this film they don't hide the fact that he's predetermined you know the matches mm-hmm. with the brother and all that stuff but when they actually have somebody trying to wrestle in a film and make it look real, that's why they don't last very long. Like you had Mickey Rourke in The Wrestler. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Yeah, movie. yeah, I've seen it. Great yeah. film. That's a proper throwback to the fact that the wrestlers from our era were all like ex-bodybuilders whose bodies just give up on them because they were on that many painkillers and they were trying to chase that dream all the time. And it's difficult because obviously when you watch a film, the fake fighting, but also when you're doing a wrestling biography, biopic, sorry, it's hard to make fake fighting look fake when they're actually not even wrestlers, they're actually actors. So, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? You sort of having, you've got two things going on at once. It's not just the case of um, doing a choreographed fight, you're choreographing wrestling, which isn't real anyway. So yeah, yeah. that's why the and she probably hasn't got the technical ability to do a proper match. I know what you mean. You mean like a proper Rocky backwards and forwards. She's on the way out, but I think because for me, I was happy with that because knowing it's already predetermined, I don't buy into it. Even though I like the film, when there's the sort of oh my god, you know, he's just broke her back and all this stuff. It's all you know that they haven't, other than the bit when he actually fought her. When she come back from Christmas and and he wrecked her in Nor- uh, Norwich, yeah, yeah, there was some realism because he what they call it is they, they, she lets him do the moves, but they call him they, they wrestle stiff. So when they wrestle stiff, it means that they'll punch him properly, and they punch him stiff. That like what she was saying about giving them receipts in the film where she slaps yeah. him. They wrestle stiff, so they'll get stiff punches, which means they actually punch him properly. And he basically when they're telling them off, and I think that's what they were saying with him. But obviously, I know that being a a wrestling fan, but I was happy with it because you you didn't get the excitement of it, but also I don't think I could have bought into a 10-minute back-and-forth match because it's already predetermined, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. That's I mean, for me anyway, but... Yeah. Like I say, it's predetermined, but... Of course it is. She was always going to win, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whether it was the real real life or, or not. I mean, I guess, well, I'll say that. I mean, Rocky didn't win, did he? No, not all the time. He didn't in the first one, did he? So it, Yeah, that first one. And that, that was, you know, the groundbreaking one, really, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. He, he, 
he lost the um, he lost on the decision, didn't he? Split decision. Uh, yeah, he, was, draw, he was kind of that glorious draw, loser, wasn't he? Yeah, it was the majority draw, so the champ gets the belt, doesn't he? He didn't actually lose as such, but he didn't win. And then, obviously, he got beat by Clubber Lang as well in Rocky Three. Mister T beat him. Oh um, yeah, but he'd already he won back in the same movie. But I mean, at this at this final act, at the last thing, you know, I, I was expecting that Paige would win, but like I say, thinking back to the first Rocky at the end, you know, the yeah. end of the movie, he hasn't won, so. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe it could have gone the other way. No, no, hey, hey Dave, I'm not saying I'm right or you're you're wrong. Whatever, I I understand that it is a bit a bit quick. The whole timeline of her getting into the sort of turning her life round and the training round, but you know, at the end, I thought it was nice because we get the credits rolling and we actually get to see parts of the documentary which are used in the film, and it's uncanny some of the things because. A family are just, you know, you, you couldn't even imagine they even function as a family the way they are because they're, they're, all, they're volatile, don't they? And the wrestling and a dad and a mom and everything. And, and yeah, I, I, you know, I enjoyed this. I enjoyed Dad's the whole there thing. with the Arsenal shirt on. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. He's got on a few times. Uh, and the, the son has as well. You think they'd be Norwich fans, wouldn't you? But the, the, the brother's got an Arsenal fan on us, an Arsenal fan, an Arsenal shirt as well. The old Burkamp ones from years ago. But, right, um, yeah. right. No, really good. So, do you want to go into the review scores, Dave? Yeah, let's go for it. So, Dave, I think it might be you this week. First, I think you might be right. So. I went into this movie not really knowing what it was going to be about. I'd seen a little bit. I saw The Rock was in it. I saw it was about wrestling. So it was was a bit of a surprise to me about how it centered around, you know, Paige and the whole, um, this women's revolution within the WWE. So that was quite a nice surprise, actually. Again, when you, I guess you don't have any expectations from there. You know, it, it was definitely exceeded. I thought the story was well well written. I thought, you know, you've got Stephen Merchant at the helm, so it's it's going to be a certain level of quality straight off the bat. I thought the performances of the uh, the the actress and and the guy who played Zach was really good as well. I thought, you know, from going from that very supportive, loving brother to being a total tool (laughs) to you know slightly redeeming himself at the end i couldn't get over the fact i thought is this like simon Pegg's younger brother or something (laughs) i thought (laughs) you know he was slightly better looking version probably but yeah i i could get over that i thought you know by the end i I thought the pacing wise i thought it lulled a little bit in the middle and then you get to the end and the match is over really quickly. But, you know, those those are just nitpicks, really. I thought it, it was a good, good movie. I don't. I came out of it thinking, yep, yeah, that was good. I don't think I, I necessarily need to go back and watch it again. Uh, maybe if it's on, you know, maybe if I've had a, two, few, a few too many sherries on a Saturday night and I'm lying on the sofa on a Sunday afternoon and it's uh it's it's on I might watch it but so so it was good but not great for me um so I I'm gonna send it to Atlantis good stuff Chris how about yourself yeah um I, th- I think to be fair watching it I, 
knowing the background of Paige, the character, where she's come from, bits about her life before the WWE, intrigued to watch it. I knew The Rock was going to be in it as a cameo. Obviously, Stephen Merchant on board is always a plus. And I, and I genuinely watched it and enjoyed it. I enjoyed the setting where they are in Norwich, the, the real, the realism of it, how close it was to the documentary about her. Um, I thought Vince Form was pretty good in it as the sort of tyrant trainer, but you know he sort of redeems himself at the end because he's you know he's really proud of her. He's pushed her sort of that, that bit more, a bit like a football coach. I thought everything. I thought you know Nick Frost was good, the brother Zach Zodiac, he was good. I just I don't think as much as the review scores at nine percent, I'm pretty much where you are, Dave. I don't think it's it's going to be something that I'd want to go out and buy. Probably not. If it was on Channel Four or Film Four, would I watch it again? Definitely. If it was on Netflix, I don't think I'd watch it. I think it's the sort of thing where when it was on again, I'd watch it if I like, missed the start of it or whatever because I did enjoy it. I really, really did enjoy it. I don't actually think, to be honest, that it's actually a cinema-type film, if I'm being completely honest. It is a streaming film or something you'd yeah. watch at home. I just think I want to the cinema to watch it, mainly because of my Limitless card. And you probably, and obviously we, we talked about what we were going to review, and I said it was a good film. You went and watched it at the cinema, but it isn't really a cinema film. So if you've not seen it at the cinema, I wouldn't go crazy over it. It will be available, as I mentioned at the top of the show, on one of the streaming services. But as a story... A Forgetting the fact that I've, you know I've told you about some of the stuff that was real and what wasn't, the artistic license with it, it's a good feel-good film. So I'm going to send it to Atlantis as well. It is never going to be an Asgard for me, as much as I'm a wrestling fan and, and you know I love my history of wrestling. It's just a good feel-good film. So yeah, Atlantis for me. Very good, very good. Well, Chris, have you got any plugs for us? Yeah. So if you want to get in contact with the show, it's on Twitter at Comics in Motion P, or if you want to email us, it's Comics in Motion Podcast at gmail.com. And as Dave mentioned at the top of the show, please get on to iTunes or your podcast hosting site and give us a five star review. Just helps us grow and makes all the content better for you guys who listen as well. So please get on there, guys. And it's Comics in Motion Podcast on all your podcast hosting sites, which you should know that because you're listening to us, but you never know. And Chris, how how would you mentioned before your wrestling focus? Well, it's, it's a bit part wrestling, part boxing, part MMA, isn't it? So where could yeah. someone go and find that podcast? Yeah, it's on Anchor or most podcast hosting sites now. It's called Indie Combat, and it's just myself every week talking over an old wrestling retro rewind section and MMA and boxing news as well. So, yeah, Indie Combat, guys, get on there. It should be on all podcast hosting sites as well. So, Chris, how are you going to see us out for this show? Well, Dave, it's a wrestling show. It's all about the WWE. We've had The Rock in there. And as The Rock would say, if you smell what The Rock is cooking. What are your names again? My name. It doesn't matter what your names are. You walk around here interrupting the rock you like you haven't seen the sun in 20 years. You like you just stepped out of Oliver Twist. Please, sir. May I have some more advice, sir? You want some advice? Here's the rock advice. Shut your mouth. Thanks, Dwayne. Got it. Call your name. That means you'll be coming with me to Florida. Paige. Thank you all very much. What? It's Dwayne Johnson. How are you? Prove it. If you're some man! is
cooking. Yeah, and I'm Vin Diesel, mate.